0: Hello, left fielders. Welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. We are building a community of investors who are interested in acquiring real assets that produce real cash flow. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go.
1: Really know where you are, so to do a really honest self-assessment of okay, well, this is my financial picture, right? And this is what I want. You're a full-time professional, you have no time, but you have a good healthy amount saved up, and you say, I want to invest into syndications, but I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. Left field investors, they help people who are starting into syndication to look at a bunch of sponsors and they're sharing their homework, so I don't have to. I would just say know where you are, know where you want to go and find somebody who's done just that next step.
0: That's coming right up. But first, I want to introduce TribeVest, our show sponsor. I have Travis Smith here, the founder and CEO. Travis, you know I'm a fan of your platform and I'm a member in four different tribes. In fact, I like the platform so much, I'm also an investor. Can you share some of the ways you think TribeVest can help build wealth for passive investors?
2: Thanks Jim. Well, as you know, we've built a platform that empowers people to easily and safely form investor tribes. If you're a part of an investor tribe, you can participate in deals that maybe you wouldn't or couldn't on your own. And I think that's why TribeVest is so popular amongst passive investors. Think about it. Deals start at 25,000, but I've seen investment minimums as high as 100 or even $200,000. And I don't care who you are. Those are big checks to be writing as a solo investor, but as a tribe, each member can drastically lower their capital requirement and spread the risk on the deal. Or another way to look at it is where maybe as a solo investor, you might invest in one deal, but with your tribe, you could invest in five, maybe 10 deals. You can think of tribe investing as a wealth building experience with the people you know, like, and trust. If there are left-fielders who are interested in learning more, please have them check out tribevest.com or reach out to me directly. Jim, we are thrilled to be a part of Passive Investing from Left Field and excited to listen to your interview with this week's guest.
3: You are listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast powered by TribeVest. The mission of Leftfield Investors is to build a community of like-minded individuals interested in creating financial freedom through passively investing in real assets that generate real cash flow. In this podcast, Jim Piper will interview passive investors, syndicators, and others who will share their journey with a focus on helping the passive real estate investor learn and become part of the Leftfield community.
0: This is Brian Burke from Praxis Capital, and you are listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. I'm excited today to have Cherry Chen with us, a full-time physician. She is the founder of The Real Estate Physician, a community of doctor investors focused on working toward financial independence. Cherry, welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast.
1: Hi, Jim. Thank you for having me. Uh, really great to be here and uh, just excited for you know, your new podcast and sharing information with other investors out there.
0: Yeah, we definitely appreciate you, you coming on. And we were connected through Steve Su, who's one of our founders. So I'm, I'm grateful that he connected us to you. Can you start by just talking a little bit about your journey? I know that you're a full-time doctor, but I'd like to hear a little bit about that and then also how you got into real estate.
1: Perfect. I'll, I'll share and hopefully other people can, you know, learn from my journey or gain new perspectives. But yeah, uh, I'm a full time physician, uh, internal medicine hospitalist. But I think, you know, what makes you know, what we're going to talk about syndications is special is that, you know, we're all mostly busy professionals. So a doctor is by no means unique by that means. But, you know, I was just like many others looking for ways to, you know, put my money to work for me, basically, right. And I think most of us can understand you uh, know 401k or your uh, company's retirement plan. But I was looking to see what else was out there, basically. So I had no experience in real estate, didn't know what syndication was, didn't even know what multifamily meant, and just wanted to really learn. And, and the good thing now there's podcasts, there's blogs, there's forums, but I think five, six years, years ago, There wasn't really anything out there, especially for physicians mostly. And that's why I started, you know, the physician investing group I have today. But yeah, syndications is open to everyone nowadays. So it's good to learn, you know, what makes a good syndication, uh, what things to look out for.
0: How did you find syndications? I know, like you said, most people are investing in their retirement plans, 401ks. What made you look out to real estate or find real estate, I guess I should say?
1: Yeah, I would say it's pretty like it was by no means like uh, planned. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, what else can I do besides my 401k? right? Um, and I think for most people, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get a single family rental. Because when you think real estate, that's what I think most of us think about first. And you start, you know, having dreams of having your own Airbnb or short term rental, you can design it. And that's really all I thought about, you know, my thought process there. And that's when I just went online and started reading more, uh, Googling and seeing, hey, what is real estate? Because I didn't even know the benefits of it. I didn't even really know any merits of it. Looking back now and investing in so many deals, like that's just learned from experience and reading and learning. Yeah.
0: So did you start with a single family home or did you do your research and, and, and skip ahead, so to speak?
1: Yeah, so I basically skipped ahead because I I did research, right? Uh, I'm an internal medicine physician, so very analytical by nature. And, uh, you know, you learn the differences of single family versus multifamily, how they're evaluated differently, how they're financed differently, uh, how they're operated differently, as far as a business, and you have scale, you have economy. So, you know, when you're an investor, you're looking, well, where is the quote, safest place for my money, right? You want to s- mitigate all the risk. And so, looking at a multifamily, multi-unit project professionally managed uh, by somebody that does this 24-7 versus me finding one unit, having to manage, uh, be responsible, be liable, sign on the loan. It was easy for me to make that decision, if you will, at that time, even though I still didn't know, know all the ins and outs of it. But it made sense as far as mitigating the risk of my capital to go into multifamily. So I actually just did not purchase a single family and invested into a syndication uh, as a passive investor at that time.
0: Okay. A lot of the uh, people in our group are either getting into their first deal or thinking about it. How did you get the courage to send that wire for 25, dollars or $100,000 for your first deal, not knowing exactly how it works out? Because I can see, like I started in single family, and so you know when you're going to closing you've seen the house maybe and you know what you're getting, but here you're you're kind of sending a, a wire to someone you've maybe only met a couple of times. How did you get the confidence and the courage to, to do that first transaction?
1: So I would say one first. firstly, I had to be comfortable with a syndication, right? As an investment, as an asset. So one, doing the education, informing yourself to be like, hey, I see that this is a good investment for my money, right? So one, make sure that fits with my philosophy and feel like it belongs in my portfolio, right? And then secondly, right, then you have to know, okay, well, who am I going to invest with? And so I was lucky, you know, at that time, I was living in Dallas. So Dallas has been a really great real estate market. Um, There are a ton of meetups uh, and conferences. So I went to one, uh, and I actually met, you know, the first sponsor that I invested with at that conference, actually visited one of the properties together with them, was with them pretty much the whole day. I didn't know it at that time. I wasn't going to the conference to, you know, find a sponsor to invest in by any means. So I met them. The project was in Dallas. So I've grown up in Dallas that the market was familiar to me. And I already felt like a uh, syndication was the right place for my capital. So I was lucky in that the market was familiar, right? But basically, right, the, the benefit of being a passive investor is, and in nowadays where you can, you know, verify everything. People have podcasts, You can people look at portfolios. So there's a lot of different ways you can verify if what people are saying are true. right? But I met the people I was in the city I invested in that I've grown up in. So I felt uh, much more comfortable in that situation to pull the trigger.
0: I think that helps if, if you meet them and, and know them a little bit. I know I did the same thing when I, when I first got into syndications. I went to a seminar, I met some people, and then I just I started investing with the people that I met. Then I kind of grad I don't think graduated, but I moved on to investing with syndicators who maybe I haven't met in person and I've just interviewed and, and properties I haven't seen. So what was your next step after that first syndication? Mm-hmm. Did you branch out to other sponsors or did you do more deals with that particular sponsor?
1: I did do a second deal with the same sponsor, all right, because the first deal was going well, I was getting paid monthly that, you know, I didn't have any issues with it. And, you know, I wanted to be as passive as possible, uh, being a full time physician. So I did a second deal with them. And so I was like, this is great. You know, um, I'm just going to keep saving. And once I have a pot of money, I'll put it into another syndication.
0: So do you continue doing that? And then did you leap to another sponsor after that? I'm just trying to get an idea of where before you started your community, were you just investing on your own in different sponsors, different deals?
1: Basically, yeah. So I've been investing probably three years myself um, and really, you know, like enjoyed this way of investing, felt it made a lot of sense uh, being, uh, you know, somebody who's busy working a full-time job. And so after three years, uh, you know, learning, I kept going to conferences, kept educating myself, uh, really learning the ins and outs basically of a syndication if I wanted to go put a deal together myself. Right. And so then I started, you know, the real estate physician investor group mid 2018, about then to one, share with other colleagues what a syndication is, and basically created the platform to be a resource of, hey, I would have wanted to know this, this is what I would have liked, you know, starting out three years earlier, one to be a resource. And two, um, as you know, when you're investing, it has a lot to do with trust, right? So having a kind of a safe space where we're kind of from the same background, have the same issues and struggles so that I can, you know, really anticipate what their needs might be and to build a platform around that to make them feel safe investing and educated investing.
0: Okay. So I'd like to understand a little bit more about the community and how it started. That interests me because when we started uh, left field Investors, it was kind of a selfish thing for me. I wanted other people to talk to about investing and passive investing because I didn't know anybody who was really doing it. And so I talked to a group of people who were interested in it and we all kind of came together. Is that kind of how yours started or were you, did you start specifically to educate others?
1: Yes. So yeah, one, I, didn't have, I never had a plan to you know create a group or create a company. And w- with my just general personality, I like things to be pretty organic. So I really didn't, even when I created the group, I don't think I could have known what uh, it could have evolved into but yes, the main premise was, you know, education or getting informed, right? And then the, the people I connect most well with are, are other physicians, right? So it wasn't that I wanted to target physicians. It was just like, this is me. And like I said, um, what would have I wanted to know when I, you know, Googled syndications, you know, three years before? I had some, a bunch of informal conversations, if you will, up till that point with family and friends and colleagues. But having a platform allow me to be more systematic about it and more uniform about it. And so you can, uh, you know, write a blog or do a podcast and have that information to where, uh, you know, people can 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 look at it when, when I don't have to be present, right? It's a great way to connect. And so the uh, when I built the group then, that's what allowed to, to be more systematic and uniform way of reaching out to others.
0: And now that your group has grown, are you doing... Syndications yourself as a general partner, or is your community just a place where people go and network and learn?
1: So I say it's twofold. One, a lot of members are new, right? They are like, "Hey, what is a syndication? I've heard about it, but I don't really know how to get started, right?" Or uh, it's just too overwhelming. So the first objective is to just help others get informed, right? Um, so uh, I mainly do that through podcast and a book I wrote, um, and you know some blog articles I've written, but a lot of it is one-on-one schedule introductory call, uh, getting on the phone because I think that's the best way to really connect with somebody. And you know, everyone's uh, even though you know syndication may be a good investment, everyone's you know personal background and goals is there's going to be nuances in there. So that's what I love connecting one-on-one, and I think what translates easily from me being a physician to connecting with others and just providing as much objective information and helping others, you know, uh, make an informed decision, right? So the first part is just educating. Second part is then, okay, well, I want to invest, but the struggle with me as a physician is knowing who to trust. And um, is this a good deal? So yeah, so so the second part of, of the group is really, you know, helping our members, right? because they are interested in investing, uh, then right, find the good opportunities out there, you know, real estate is everywhere. There's so many sponsorship groups. I think what is overwhelming is that, you know, there is no consolidated resource, right? Um, That's what you're trying to provide uh, with your group. But you know, there's so many groups, uh, and everyone does things differently. So then, uh, you know, it's finding out who these operators are, what is their investment thesis, what markets they invest in, and what assets they invest in, and trying to find, you know, what are the solid opportunities. And I'm doing a lot of the due diligence on behalf of our investors, right? Because the whole point is to, you know, hey, is this a trustworthy sponsor? Um, Is this a good asset? Um, Are there strong fundamentals? Then presenting that information to our members to see if it's a good opportunity.
0: Yeah. And our our group, you know, we focus on the sponsor first because we believe that's the most important thing to get right. So how do you vet the sponsor for your group or for yourself? What are the what are some of the questions you ask? What are some of the things that you you try to do?
1: Yeah. that is the single most important, but I don't think there's a like a straightforward answer. And everyone's like, Well, how do you vet a sponsor? I'm like, Well, <laughs> I don't have a secret because it literally is right like building a relationship, right? So it's not like anything, there's no secret recipe. It's not anything special, right? You meet the person, um, you talk to them, can you communicate with them? So one, you know, getting to know them as, as human beings, first of all. And then secondly, right, okay, well. What is your investment philosophy, right? Because it could be the greatest sponsor that operates hotels out of New York. I'm not interested in that, right? I'm interested in mostly, right? Stabilized value add commercial properties like multifamily, because I think it has the best risk adjusted returns, if you will. So uh, find the sponsors in the asset class that match what you're looking for. And then, you know, understanding the city, right? That the market and the sub market and the, the underwriting analysis I think that comes secondary, right? Because, but it's all part of the picture, right? Because you say, okay, well, what is the sponsor's track record? And it's more than, oh, okay, well, they've exited five deals. Uh, because in, as part of that answer, it should be, well, hey, well, these are the specific markets they target. These are the specific uh, analytics they look for when they're underwriting a property. These are the specific assumptions. So all of that is in the sponsor's track record, if you will. So there is just no, perfect answer.
0: <laughs> right. And I think you did have the perfect answer. You, that's like the holy grail of this, right? How do you ha- Because it's so subjective. And I think a lot of this is obje- subjective when you look at the sponsor and the market and the deal. So what, what are the things that you look for in the market? So if you've vetted the sponsor and you figured out that this is someone you want to move forward with, how do you pick a market?
1: So I think with all of that, like you said, right, sponsor market deal, uh, I go back again to like, okay, well, how can I mitigate my risk in an investment, right? Because so, right, we have several projects in Dallas, in Austin, in Atlanta, in Tampa, in Orlando, right? Very healthy, growing, diverse market, right? Uh, Where you have hundreds of thousands of people moving in, you have a diverse economic base, you have a healthy population. You have a landlord-friendly state. Uh, you have growing jobs, right? It all comes down to population and, and the people who are going to live in these places, and can they afford them, right? And so, yes, you can have a sponsor, you know, that does really well in Kansas City, for example, or anything, right? But I want to put as many eggs in the basket on the right side of the equation as far as mitigating risk. So, yeah, I would choose Dallas over. Kansas City any day, even though Kansas City probably also has great properties as well. Or Indianapolis, right? I hear that's a really great city too. Um, so, so it's about mitigating as much risk. So you want a healthy big city, lots of jobs, lots of economic diversity, healthy population growth.
0: And then the next step, of course, is is the deal, right? So you've picked the sponsor, you picked the market, and the deal comes up. What are some of the things that you look at in the deal, and maybe even specifically some some metrics that you might evaluate?
1: Yeah. So, so like I said, I, I personally prefer, you know, stabilized value add properties, but I've also invested in, you know, uh, in development and distress. Right. Uh, but the core of what I like is a stabilized value add. So then, you know, uh, you look at the property, okay, well, what are the fundamentals to where, okay, Hey, it's a stabilized property. Meaning, Hey, if I, if we invest into today, I have a pretty low uh, risk of losing my capital, right? I could get, you know, four five, 6% cash on cash. So you want a property that's got a healthy debt, right? Healthy, healthy leverage. So uh, investors can look at, you know, what is the break-even occupancy of the property or uh, the debt service coverage ratio, right? Those are two uh, easy things you can ask the sponsor for that, you know, they should be able to provide, right? Uh, and most stabilized properties, your breakeven occupancy is going to be around 65%, right? So at that point, the property is going to function. It's not going to foreclose. It can manage its debt. Most of these properties, right? They're stabilized, so they're ninety-three, ninety-five percent. So I coming in as an investor would feel okay. I feel pretty safe, um, you know, um, that I'm not going to lose my money um, because, especially the property in 2008, in in the in the uh, in the height of that, you know, you know, real estate depression, uh, it was 85 percent occupied even then, right? So the chances of it from going from 95 to when we buy it to 65, very low likelihood, right? It is. It could happen, but. I feel comfortable putting my money in knowing those numbers. And then the value add part, that's where it can get pretty subjective, right? Because value add um, is anything that, you know, I think, especially in commercial real estate, it's, you know, you're helping the bottom line, right? Any dollar you improve in income or any dollar you decrease in expenses. So that's where every project is going to differ, right? Um, If you have a newer project, but the more value add, quote, right, the better value can improve to returns to investors and to improve on the project. So that's going to vary. But you want to look at metrics like, hey, well, if we say we're going to renovate this unit $5,000 to match our competition, right? I want to know, can the market absorb that? And can the market do the tenants, can they afford it, right? Um, If there's a property that we do our due diligence on across the street, that has, you know, rents, $200 $200 above where we are within renovated unit, and there's no other supply coming on, right? I feel pretty healthy about that. And so you look at other things also like, well, what are we saying is a rent increase, you know, or the uh, the economic vacancy uh, where people are living, but they're not paying, right? All of those metrics. So I'm kind of get, uh, gabbling, but um, a lot of
0: things. Those are great answers. So then once you've done all of that, and you've invested in it, how do you diversify your portfolio? Because we, we talk a lot about you know, diversification is different sponsors, different asset classes, different markets even. So can you talk a little bit about how you diversify your personal investments and then also how you help your community diversify?
1: Yeah, so I think that goes back again to right what you're looking to do with your capital um, because some some investors are like, hey, I want the most bang for my buck, right? I want at the end of five years, if I can get 2.2x rather than 1.7x, sign me up for that project, right? Um, or are you looking for healthier just cash flow in general, right? You want an immediately cash flowing project, or you're willing to wait, but the return might be greater, for example, a development, right? Um, and so I think, you know, with my investor base, we have a healthy mix because depending, right, your background, if you have a uh, high paying W 2 job, um yes, cash flow matters, passive income, right? That's why we want to invest in these, but that might not be your ultimate priority in looking at a project, right? And so I think we have a healthy mix. So, you know, my job is to you know, get to continue to know sponsors and operators in this field, get to know them and see which are the good ones to partner with. But you know, we like the healthy markets like Atlanta, like Tampa, like Orlando, Dallas, you know, Texas, Florida, Carolinas, um, they just have so much population headquarters moving in. Um, and you know, that's not a, you know, one year trend, right? That's like a, I don't know, 30 to 50 year trend when a major headquarter moves and we have tons of them moving into those cities. Um, and so that makes me feel really good about having strong fundamentals, not only for, you know, the next five years, but the next, you know, 30 years. Yeah.
0: And what about asset classes? Are you just in multifamily or do you invest in other asset classes as well?
1: The most of it will be multifamily, but we have also done uh, self-storage and mobile home parks. So they're similar, right? But there's nuances between the, those asset classes. But the main point being, hey, these are these are asset classes where there's a, basically an evergreen need, right? No matter if the economy is good or bad, um, you're going to have a need for this. But it comes down to, right, doesn't mean all self-storage or all multifamily is great. And that's why we still have to do the diligence on, uh, you know, good cities, but also good operators uh, that can execute uh, on these projects.
0: Another question for Travis Smith, the founder of TribeVest. Travis, I often talk about group investing and how it can ease someone into passive investing because they're investing with other people. Can you talk about the power of groups and how TribeVest can help new investors get started in syndication investing?
2: I love this question because it reminds me of why we started TribeVest. My brothers and I saw real estate as a way to hack wealth without having to give up our day jobs. And despite not having any real estate investment experience, we found confidence as a tribe and that we'd be making decisions together. We were up for the adventure. We valued the idea of learning and growing together. But we had a more obvious problem than lack of experience. We lacked capital. We had good incomes but didn't have the lump sums of money to break into syndicate investing we each committed to contributing $500 monthly and that was our breakthrough as a tribe the capital added up fast and it wasn't long before we had our first experience in true wealth building we were now part owners of a physician's office building in beautiful Pasadena California and we've been building wealth ever since so yes TribeVest is a great tool for people to ease into passive investing because it makes it so easy and it helps you take the most important step, the first one. If you start pulling capital, the deals will come. Jim, we realized that if our tribe could do it, any tribe could. By forming and funding our investor tribe, we secured a future we could have never imagined. It really did change our lives.
0: And when people get into this new, a lot of them think, okay, the twenty-five or $50,000 minimum is pretty high. And in our group, we talk a lot about group investing. We put an LLC together for a group of people and they go invest in something. But a lot of people also talk about crowdfunding because a lot of those minimums are lower. Are, have you done any of the crowdfunding or... Are, What do you think about that as opposed to syndications, true syndications?
1: So I personally have not invested in a crowdfunding uh, because i went the private syndication route. The best way I can explain crowdfunding is, right, is that I see it more of as a technology platform facilitating a real estate transaction, right? So from an investor standpoint, you're going to see, oh, well, if I'm going to invest in apartments, I can do it on a crowdfunding site and start with $1,000, right? But I would say the main difference is, right, that the crowdfunding site, they're not the one running the deal, right? They didn't put the deal together. They are not going to execute on the deal. They're not investing into the deal. So I would say that is the main difference, right? It doesn't mean the deal is going to be good or bad because, you know, some of them do their own degree of diligence as well. But, you know, they're not investing 50000 into the deal. They are not managing the asset. So it comes down to where you don't have a direct relationship with the sponsorship team, who is doing everything on the ground that has a direct impact with my money, right? So that's why I private syndications, but yes, the minimums are typically higher. And that's why, you know, I think crowdfunding sites have their role where, hey, you can start lower and you can get a chance, right, to invest into these projects where you might not be able to. But I think uh, then a lot of that onus does fall on you as, especially if you're new to the space to say, okay, well, the numbers you see on the crowdfunding site how do you know how the sponsors got those numbers, right? Um, and can they execute on those numbers? Because you're you're ca- kind of, the crowdfunding side is putting like a middle part to that relationship. So I think more onus will fall on you to dig in a little further to make sure your money's right into a good project.
0: Yeah. And I think the, I agree, the crowdfunding, you don't have the same sense of community and, and talking to other people. And can you talk a little bit about how, you know, it sounds like you started past investing, the networking really helped you. So can you talk a little bit about how networking is helping you as you continue to move forward? I know from my perspective, I find that the the more networking you do, you get exposure to new deals, new people, and you just, it really expands your opportunities. Are you finding the same thing?
1: Yeah, I think so. Because, right, I uh, how I feel like it's how else do you do it? Right. I think some people put a negative spin on networking, but I mean, when it comes down to it, you're, you're just trying to build relationships and getting to know people, right. Um, how, what other way is there to do it? Uh, if I'm going to put, you know, $50,000 with somebody. Right. And so, um, I think what's great, especially, I think what I see in real estate is like everything. Most people are, I think, very generous and sharing of their experiences or their time or their expertise. Right. And, and I think, That's what's great because you can learn a little bit from everybody because everyone's journey is going to be a little bit different. And, um, you know, there's just so much opportunity in real estate, so many asset classes, so many sponsors. The networking is important because, yeah, there is no consolidated resource. You can't just Google sponsor XYZ or just Google a database of sponsors, if you will. So that's why networking is critical as part of your, your homework to educate yourself.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I found it's always surprising to me for some reason that there's so many people willing to give up their time like you are with your network. You're willing to talk to all these different doctors or, or people that are interested in passive investing. And I think that's it's very much a, a larger community in, in this small syndication space where people are, are willing to share information and help each other out, which I, I think is a definitely a, an allure of this of this um, industry.
1: I found it that way, too. Uh, like where, you know, no one's holding a secret, no one's, you know, there's no secret strategy here, right? Um, and nowadays, where information is so abundant, like you can literally learn anything. And and so investing is about, I think, you know, enhancing your life, right? Uh, and so I think the networking or education or helping others is, is is just a part of that.
0: And we we talk about shortcuts, right? So how do you shortcut something so you don't have to maybe learn everything or or you can learn from the experience of others. So what would you offer to a new someone newly getting into this, a new passive investor, as far as shortcuts to help them get jump started. Maybe they wouldn't they wouldn't have to take the exact same path you did. They can jump start their search a little bit.
1: Yeah, so I think I forgot where I heard this, but it's like, you know, there's always somebody out there who's done what you wanted to do, right? And so no one's reinventing the wheel. I, I haven't discovered anything no one's talked about, you know, and so I think what's important is that to really know where you are. So to, to do a really honest self-assessment of, okay, well, this is my financial picture, right? And this is what I want. So if you're a, you know, a full-time professional, you have no time, but you have a good healthy amount saved up and you say, I want to invest into syndications, but I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. Uh, you know, I'm the kind of the perfect person, right, to talk to because I'm where you are, I have the same struggles, and I've been where you want to be, right? So I think it's important for people to say, okay, well, where am I? What do I want? And that's where you get overwhelmed, because then you go online and you see like a thousand things or resources, right? But to find somebody right in your same shoes, if you will, and who's done, and can just show you the next step, right? Uh, You might not want to go from, I want to invest into syndications to then like, you know, uh, talking to a sponsor who owns 10,000 units, uh, right? You can see, okay, well, hey, look, Left Field Investors, they, they help people who are starting into syndication to look at a bunch of sponsors um, and they're sharing their homework. So I don't have to, right? So I would just say know where you are, know where you want to go, and find somebody who's done just that next step.
0: Well, that, that makes perfect sense. And it, it's the whole community thing, right? You're building a community, we're building a community. And now through this podcast, we're kind of sharing information between communities. And I think that's really powerful in helping people move forward. Can you talk about some of the mistakes you might have seen passive investors make?
1: Oh, mistakes. So I would say one is part two two sides of the spectrum. One right, you get you're like, I want to do this, and then you go on and there's so many resources and you're overwhelmed. And then you just don't start and then you know a year later you're like, oh I haven't done anything right. So that's one side where you're just analysis, paralysis, just too overwhelmed, you don't know where to start, no one's really guiding you to that, just the next step of what you should do, right? So that's where we, again, community is so important. Two, right, uh, is the other side of the spectrum where, uh, you know, you jump in without doing at least a little bit of homework. And I think that's the, uh, where, you know, high income professionals can can fall in because, you know, you have that capital, you're not waiting at the end of the month for passive income, right? You have that capital, and you hear about a good opportunity, right? But you don't do you know, enough homework to say, hey, is this opportunity what I think it is? Because I can see a lot of people, oh, you know, real estate's done really well, syndications are becoming more and more popular. And you hear about something that sounds good. And you're like, oh, I wanted to so that's the other spectrum where if you follow community, or you just follow something without doing at least a little bit of diligence, you know, right, you don't have to know all the analytics of underwriting, do a little more diligence before just jumping because everyone else says it's a good investment.
0: Right. And I think that's especially important um, in your community because as a former financial advisor, I had several uh, physicians as clients and they are presented opportunities all the time from people who just assume they have money. They don't know what to do with it. And so they're presented opportunities and that's great to have opportunity, but then you need to be able to discern which opportunities to jump in on and which, which not to. So you've, have you found that with doctors, they're, they're getting a lot of people talking to them, telling them where to put their money?
1: I would say yes and no, right? Because most of us aren't like, you know, openly discussing our, you know, personal finances or whatever. But yes, uh, that general sentiment is there. And, and especially now, right, you have crowdfunding sites, or if you're an accredited investor, you can be advertised to, right? And so you just have seeing all sorts of deals, right? And they all kind of simil- look similar, right? And I think uh, that goes back again to what you said, right? The power of a community, right? And that's why I created mine, knowing my people, right? And so, um, right, where, you know, the whole point is, you know, that you're really only going to see maybe, you know, four to five deals from me a year, right? Four for that I felt like I've done the homework on, um, that I can share, that I'm going to invest my money into, that I feel safe sharing with my community, right? Uh, versus going on a crowdfunding site and seeing 300 deals and they all look the same. I think people are used to the concept of, oh, I'm gonna log in. I'm gonna just click on a mutual fund and whatever return that is, that's, that's what it is, right? Uh, real estate is not created equal. That's where I think people will get into trouble.
0: So um, we're gonna close here, but I wanted to ask, my last question is always, what's a great podcast that you listen to?
1: I listen to so many, so this is like a hard question. So it depends, but I'm going to stick to real estate at least because I listen to so many. But I think two that come to mind is Bigger Pockets and Best Ever Show by Joe Fairless. Um, And I say those two because I think it gives uh, readers a very wide audience and and breadth of real estate. So it's not only uh, syndications, it's people who have done all sorts of real estate, right? And like I said, you can learn so much, even though it might not uh, be your exact strategy. Because you can listen to just other people's journeys and the mistakes they made and the successes they had and the lessons um, they've learned. So I say those two for the breadth and just diversity of exposure to real estate, especially if you're if you're new, right? to indications to see, well, what else is out there? Does this actually make sense for me? Or, hey, maybe something else actually sounds better for my situation. I think Real Estate Guys radio show and Michael Becker, um, those are good for macroeconomics uh, because that's something I realized uh, is so fascinating to me now where five years ago, I would be like, who cares about the interest rate? Or what is this inflation or the Fed or LIBOR? And I'm like, who cares, right? Uh, but so much of the ma- our macroeconomic climate affects not only real estate, but investing and other people where they're going to put their money. Um, and so that's, that's something grown much more fascinated by because I think it's part of the evolution of becoming a better investor outside of the, oh, is this a good project? So I think those two are really great for for expanding that picture.
0: Those are excellent recommendations. Thank you very much. So if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that?
1: The best way is just, uh, so my website is www.therealestatephysician.com. So yes, uh, most of our investor members, I would say 99% are are physicians. Uh, We have a lot of dentists and pharmacists, right? Mostly healthcare. But we also have non-physicians because right, syndications are not exclusive uh, to physicians by any means. So if anyone you know, feels like uh, they want to chat, you can always schedule a call with me and, and connect.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much for being here. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Jim.
0: I had a great conversation with Cherry. It was interesting to talk to another person who started a community to help others invest in passive syndications. Truly really shows the power of networking and community in the passive investing space, or really any space that is alternative or less mainstream. These communities give people confidence that they are on the right track because you're able to discuss and learn from others who've had success in these areas as well. She was correct, I think, when she said that so many people in real estate in general and passive investing specifically are willing to share what they know with others and spend their time educating others. She's one of those people creating a community just for that purpose, to help busy professionals figure out a way to build wealth outside of Wall Street. I'm really pleased to have met Cherry and hope that the Real Estate Physician Network and left field investors can work together and learn from each other in order to make both of our communities stronger. It's truly easier and more profitable to be part of a group of people who are focused on building wealth by accumulating cash flowing assets. The more we can build and support communities like these, the better it will be for all passive investors.